Okay, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name is Dusty Slay. I'm your host. And uh, I'm pumped to be here. I mean, I'm always pumped to be here. I'm pumped to be here in my home on a cold day in Nashville, Tennessee. The news, oh, the news says, oh, the cases are the worst in Tennessee. They say we have the most per capita in the world, is what they say. Most cases per capita in the world. Wow. I'm terrified. And, uh, and then last night I was off uh, at the Olive Garden. I went to the Olive Garden with some friends. Uh, it, was my, it was my wife's birthday today. And so we all went out. It was, Olive Garden was her choice. You know, I told her, I said, hey, I'm trying to stop eating bread and stop eating dairy. And she's like, great. How about the Olive Garden? So I went. I had some cheese sticks, some beef ravioli. Pretty happy that they had a ravioli where they stopped putting pork in it. I don't know what that is, but people love pork in their ravioli. I mean, I know a lot of people love it. I gave up pork some years ago uh, for religious reasons. And uh, it's a complicated matter. I talk to people about it, and they are not happy with my decision. I find that uh, uh, my Christian friends uh, are the ones that uh, find it the hardest to accept that I don't eat pork for that reason. But I don't condemn people for eating pork you, because I, I don't know if I'm right. So you eat all the pork you want. All I'm saying is I'm happy that Olive Garden had a pork-free beef ravioli because I love beef. I am back on meat. And I love beef. I go to these barbecue restaurants that specialize in pork. I get the beef brisket. I get the chicken. I get the turkey. It's delicious. It's wonderful. Uh, I gave up pork. I used to eat pork heavy. I was a heavy pork eater. I loved a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. I love pulled pork. In Charleston, South Carolina, there's tons of pork restaurants, barbecue restaurants. I used to go to Bessinger's and Melvin's and... Sticky Fingers, and uh, all of those places. There was a uh, barbecue buffet in Somerville, South Carolina, and I used to work at Lowe's up there, and then I would go to the buffet, and they would have, certain days they would have all-you-can-eat ribs. Oh, man, I would crush some ribs. I'd be sweating, sweating out ribs. I loved it. I loved it. I used to tear it up, and I've stopped eating it now. And um, and then I would, uh, let's see, what else? What else did I really, really like? I loved pork chops. I used to cook pork chops at the house. And I like, me and my dad used to do this. We fry up some pork chops, take a little maple syrup, put on the pan, put on the plate, take a little white bread, dip it in the maple syrup with the pork chop. Gosh, it's delicious. You can also do that with fried chicken. Very delicious. Uh, a friend of mine here in Nashville told me that he, likes a fried chicken leg in peanut butter. I've not yet tried that. That seems gross to me, but he told me that he likes that. But yeah, I used to, uh, and, and then in Opelika, uh, we used to have Papa Joe's barbecue, uh, which, which you could get, what did you, what was it called? A Big Joe? A Big Joe, Little Joe? You could get Big Joe hot, I think. That was delicious. It burned to the ground. A lot of people speculate that it burned to the ground for insurance reasons. Um, who knows, but it was delicious. 
My friend Jimmy Baggett's dad yelled at me and Papa Joe's one time. Jimmy used to work at the Papa Joe's, but me and Jimmy got arrested when I was like 19 for uh, underage consumption of alcohol and other things. Uh, you know, we had a little CBD in the car. It wasn't legal back then. And uh, might as well have been CBD. It was about that effective. And uh, we had, uh, so I got arrested. That's how I didn't get into the Army. I, I, I joined the Army when I was 19. Maybe I'll tell that story. Um, but we got arrested. I was driving. And uh, uh, maybe I will tell that. But uh, we, got, we got arrested, and then Jimmy's dad came to my house one day and told me that I should take the blame for it all. And then he yelled at me again in a Papa Joe's one day. And I was a kid, you know. I didn't know how to really stand up for myself against this guy. But it was fine. I mean, I didn't really care. I just kind of ignored him. But uh, it'd be a different story nowadays. But I'm sure he'd just yell at me for not wearing a mask if it were today. So, um, the uh, but in Jimmy's dad's defense, I will say this. It did look like I was getting Jimmy in trouble all the time. But Jimmy was hanging out. The people that hung out with me never got in trouble except Jimmy. I mean, I was always doing stuff that people could get in trouble, but I just wasn't getting in trouble for it. But Jimmy was. I guess the first instance was I had a party at my house. I used to have parties at my mom's house all the time. My mom was gone a lot. I used to have a lot of parties. And these parties started small, but they got good. I mean, they were hot parties. I mean, it was, oh, man, people, it was, oh, it was jumping. I mean, I remember one year after prom, me and my prom date were both in our underwear dancing in the living room floor. I mean, it was amazing. It was quite a wild time we used to have there. And uh, one party, um, there was another guy named named Tom. And Tom was one of my, became one of my great friends. But for a while, everybody thought Tom was pretty annoying, I think, at least in my circle of friends. He was a year or two younger than us, and that tends to happen. He was a year or two younger than us, and he uh, had showed up to the party and Jimmy slapped him. So he left. Now, knowing Tom, Jimmy was a big guy. But knowing Tom, I don't know that Tom couldn't have taken him. Uh, it was a scrappy dude. Uh, but he left. And we speculate that he called the cops. Who knows? He could have. He could have not. I mean, we had a ton of people, cars all over the road. The cops had been there before. So the cops came, and I... Uh, got in trouble. I didn't get arrested. They just called my mom, and her and her boyfriend came over and, uh, you know, took me back to their house, me and my friend Costa, and uh, Costa was visiting. And uh, and then, um, and I used to like to dress weird for the parties. I always thought it was a lot of fun to dress weird. I think I had on a Michigan jersey, uh, combat boots, and some other weird thing going. And then so the whole next day, I remember having to go to like a Beauregard football game dressed like that. Uh, and really wasn't really that embarrassed by it. I don't care. So I got busted. And then Jimmy had gotten drunk. He got drunk. He slapped Tom. And then he went out and sat in his car, luckily in the passenger seat, so he couldn't get a DUI. So they say. I don't know the laws. 
And he sat in his passenger seat of his car and then threw up out the window. So when the cops came, I got in trouble and Jimmy got in trouble. Nobody else. Jimmy's parents got called. Nobody else got in trouble. And I'm like, you know what? It looks like it was my fault because it was my party and it looks like. But Jimmy was my age. Jimmy was much bigger than me. He's in charge of his own uh, his own self, but I think that it just looked like that ever since Jimmy got together with me, he started getting in trouble a lot, and maybe that's true. Maybe I was a bad influence on people, but, you know, I wasn't trying to be. I've always been about having a good time, you know? I've always been about it. Nothing in life ever made sense to me if you weren't having a good time, right? Uh, things that are within your control. I mean, you know, you can't Life can't be 100% a good time. Sometimes there's got to be some serious stuff going down. we got to talk about things, uh, and there's got to be serious matters, like masks and whatnot. I feel the need to talk about that constantly because I have a face. I have a face. You have a face. So I feel like there's a need to talk about that. We have faces. That's our identification. They say, oh, the mask, it's only for a short time. Well, what's a short time? Two weeks was a short time. Two weeks to slow the spread. That was a short time. Uh, we're like going on a year. So anyway. So and then Jimmy got arrested with me. And I feel like there was one other instance. But who knows? Um, so, you know, that was all going down. But at the time, this is what happens. Um, I'm going to talk about some things here. It may make people uncomfortable if they don't know these things about me. But it doesn't matter. I was living with my mom. I was, this was after high school. I had already signed up for community college. I signed up for two classes, and I dropped out after going to each one of them one time. The, the community college was Southern Union Community College. It was directly across the street from the high school, Opelika High School, and I lived about a mile from there. Uh, my mom was staying with her boyfriend, but also staying with her mom a lot. Her mom was sick, so she was spending a lot of time there, and she was working. So she was gone a lot. I had pretty much free reign at the house. I got a bunch of graduation money from my family. Thank you. I'm sorry I squandered that. I was a reckless child, and um, and uh, so I was living off graduation money, not doing much of nothing. Um, my, uh, I had friends living with me. I had a friend, Brent, living with me, Jared living with me, and we had a homeless guy that we named Chuck. Chuck was living with us. I might have told this story before. I'm just going to give a bit more detail. Um, Chuck was, um, he, 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 a, a, a guy brought him to the house one day. They said his uncle picked up Chuck. Chuck was about our age. They said they picked up, his real name was Ryan. We gave him his own name. He became our pet. We named him. And Chuck was real short, had even shorter arms. and But he had a little one arm tattoo on each arm, and then it had a neck tattoo, and he rapped. Um, you know, he was like a young Slim Shady. And uh, so he came, he was brought to the house, and he just hung out with us. And I was like, yeah, man, why don't you, why don't you chill? And then he ended up just staying there for a while. And, um, and then he disappeared. One day he left. We never saw him again. But he stayed for a couple of months. And uh, I liked him. We hung out a lot. I got him a job at Sonic. I think he quit that pretty quick. Um, you know, we used to party a good bit. And it was a lot of fun. There's a lot of stories with Chuck. Um, 
But I think by this time, I'm just trying to get my story right here. Yeah, I think by this time, Chuck was already gone. Uh, the party was over. There was that, we spent a summer, and then the party began to dwindle. And I got my job back at the Western Sizzling. I had worked at Western Sizzling when I was 16. And now I went back as an 18-year-old, and I was working there. And I had a crush on a girl that worked there. I really was in love with this girl, probably in lust, but I was in love with her. And uh, her name was Angel. And, um, you know, and then her mom worked there and both of her aunts worked there. I mean, there was a family, family deal. And we hung out one time. I remember me and Angel went to the movies and saw Fast and Furious together, the very first one. And I went over to her house and watched uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? She probably liked me, but I uh, never knew how to do anything. I never knew how to date. So I, um, I'm working at Western Citizen one day. I'm waiting tables in there, and there's this old man in there, and he's been there all week. He's a construction worker, and he's been in there all week. He's talking about how much money he's making, and I'm like, well, why don't you go to like Outback or something and get a steak? And he's like, oh, that's just an expensive piece of meat there. So I was like, okay, great. And uh, we're talking, and one day he's talking to me about the Army. He's like, I was in the Army. I went to all these cool places. I did all these things. I mean, I was going into, you know, Western Sizzling every day on CBD, and um, and I was bored. I mean, I was bored out of my mind. I was like, I got to get out of Opelika. Opelika, there's nothing wrong with Opelika. It's a great town. But I felt like I needed to do something else. I needed to get out of there, you know? I had been a maniac all throughout high school, and I feel like once, you, once you're like a maniac all the time and you're always like striving for attention, you got to do something bigger. You can't just fizzle away in your hometown. You got to go bigger. So I start talking to this guy, and this guy's telling me about all these cool things he did in the Army, and I'm like, okay, great. Well, I want to join the Army too. So I left work that, that day, and I went to the recruiter's office, and I, I, I was like, I want to join the Army. And those guys were like, great, this was easy. And they were like, do you, uh, they were like, do you smoke weed? And I was like, well, yeah, a little bit. And uh, they were like, well, how much? How much are we talking? Are we talking a, a joint a week? Or, and they were so way off, like they were so under the amount that I was doing that it was, I was like, I'm actually embarrassed to tell you how much it is. But they didn't really care, you know. They, I was like 18, they didn't really care. They were like, all right, you got to stop, and then we're going to work to get your system clean. So they start telling me how to do it. I remember they had me fill out this form of any medical problems that I might have. And I never really had medical problems, but I always had heartburn. I've dealt with heartburn my whole life. I realize now that the heartburn that I've dealt with my whole life is probably a direct result of food and bad food that I've been eating. So, but anyway, I wrote down like acid reflux on the form. And then maybe one other thing. I was like, I was actually like, I feel like I'm taking a test and I need to write something. I need to put yes to something. So then the main guy at the recruiter's office took that sheet and he said, uh, Okay, you see all these things where you marked yes? Uh, if you mark yes on that, you can't get into the Army. He's like, I'm not telling you to mark no, but if you mark yes, you're not going to get in. So you do whatever you want to do. And I was like, okay. So I went back, and I, I lied, and I wrote no. 
And then after that, uh, I got, I, they took me down to Montgomery. Uh, you know, as I, I began to run, I began to go to Southern Union. I started running around that track. I started really getting into it. I was quitting smoking cigarettes. I gave up the drugs. I was running. I was getting into shape. I was learning the military alphabet. I was very excited. I was like, this is great. Uh, so I go down to Montgomery. I get my physical done. I I do all the things that my 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 mil- the military people had been giving me like drug tests along the way, and they were like, um, you know, uh, and I kept you know I kept failing you know because uh, I guess I had a uh, had a deep in my system, deep in my system. Uh, I mean, I was you know I was wearing I had I had blonde hair that I had bleached as short hair and then let grown out, and I used to wear I uh, had two skull t shirts. One that was black with white skulls and one that was a tie-dyed shirt with a bunch of skulls on it. I would wear a pink Hooter shirt that had Hooters on the front, more than a mouthful on the back. I had a, uh, 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 another uh, picture of a t-shirt with a uh, cartoon uh, with a guy carrying a surfboard that looked like a joint. And then in a speech bubble, he said hi, but it was spelled H-I-G-H. And then I had... Um, what were some of the other shirts? Uh, I had a Mossimo shirt that had like some bleach stains on it that I thought was super cool. Uh, I used to wear a corduroy coat and then I would wear fingerless gloves until I stole some gloves from a girl named Heather Horn that I regret to this day that I did that. But, you know, I was poor. I felt like she was rich. I didn't like go into her car and steal them. She left them in my friend's car and I just started wearing them. I should have given them back. But you do a lot of things that you wish you didn't do. I wish that I didn't steal her, steal the gloves. And if I run into her again, uh, I'd like to give her some money for the gloves, even though I'm sure that she doesn't need it. Uh, I would like, it doesn't matter. That's the thing about stealing. People always think, poor people always think you can steal from rich people because they're like, hey, they don't need it. But it's still stealing. It's still one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal. It doesn't say thou shalt not steal unless that person has a lot more money than you, unless that person won't notice it out of their bank account, right? People used to say that about Walmart. Oh, you can steal from Walmart, man, that's a corporation. And I'm like, well, there's a manager that runs that store who has some type of uh, uh, whatever they call it, loss prevention or whatever, some kind of thing where he's not supposed to lose money. So you're stealing, right? So I feel bad about it. I regret it. Shouldn't have done it. But if I see Heather Horn, uh, I would like to give her money for the leather gloves that I uh, didn't necessarily steal. I found them and kept them. Is that stealing? Yeah, probably. I just want you to know I didn't rob her. I wasn't like, ooh, let me get them gloves. I'm not that kind of guy, but I was the kind of guy that would be like, well, these are... You know, hey, whose are these? Anyway, so I was wearing that, and then I would wear like a big flannel coat under the quarter, a flannel shirt under the corduroy coat so that the sleeves stuck out a bit. I had a real thing going, and so I looked like I was doing the things that I was doing. So if anybody didn't know what I was up to, that's their bad, okay? I went through a phase where I was doing uh, marijuana, and I looked like I was doing it, okay? So if people didn't know, that's their bad. Okay, anyway, all right, so continue on. So I'm, 
I'm going down. My recruiters are like, all right, you keep failing the test, but it seems to be getting better. So what we want you to do is when you go to, uh, you know, get your physical, we want you to be constantly drinking water. We want you drinking so much water that no, um, that it can't set in your bladder and collect any sediment. Sediment. And it's like, okay. They're like, we want you constantly peeing. So I did that. And another guy that I knew named Bubba McCluskey was also joining the Army at the same time as me. So we ended up going down and getting our physical together. That was a lot of fun. I always liked him. Nice guy. Um, and um, so we go down to Montgomery. We get down there. And I think we go down there the night before. A lot of people are partying that night. And I was like, and they're like giving alcohol tests in the morning. I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't even know any of these people. I party enough. I'm getting into the army to escape that. I, I'm living a party life. I don't need to come party with a bunch of dudes and a couple of random chicks trying to join the army. So I, I, I slept that night, got up the next morning. I was just drinking water. I was peeing all throughout the night, not in the bed. I got up and went to the toilet and I was just peeing all the time. And we get to the physical, we eat a bunch of runny eggs and, and, and some other stuff, and none of it was good. It was up before the sun came up. I was very unhappy. We get there. They won't let you pee once you get there, and I am about to explode. I'm doing a vision test. I'm doing a sound test where they put you in a little sound booth, and they make you listen for taps. There's a comic named DJ Demers. I follow him on Instagram. Find him. He's deaf slightly deaf he wears hearing aids and he does he's a comic and he does a bit on the hearing test which is really funny but you know they tap and then you have to push a button to let them know you hear it and then um and then finally i got to go into the drug test portion and then there was three urinals we all wait in line i have to pee so bad uh and we all line up and then finally there's three urinals and we get there and i get and then there's a guy sitting on a stool whose job is to stare at your penis in the urinals to make sure you're not faking it and watch you pee into the cup. And he's standing right next to me. So I'm joining the Army, hoping that the job that I get is not to watch people pee in the urinal. Maybe this guy was into it, but I'm not that into staring at guys' penises. And I'm not into pee. So... Uh, I get there and I just, I, I don't really have a shy bladder anyway, but I'm not so comfortable with people watching me pee, but it came out pretty quick because I was dying. And so then I did that and then there was another room they take you into and uh, now we're instructed before we go down there, we're instructed by the recruiters. They say, no matter what, don't tell them that you've done drugs, okay? Any kind, don't admit to it no matter what. They'll press you on it. Don't say yes. They said they're just trying to keep you out of the army. I don't know if it's that strict anymore. But although we haven't started any new wars in a while, according to what I've heard, which is good. I think that's really good. Um, so I'm like, all right, so I want to, you know, uh, I, I know what to do. And then we get into this room and they make us all strip down to our underwear and then we have to, like, people always talk about, like, the duck walk. Like, I guess they're just trying to check all your reflexes. 
and make sure all your body parts work just right. Like we have to drop down to our knees. We have to squat and walk around the room and we have to do all these weird things. And then we go into this guy's room and this guy needs to like look at our junk, check our penis and balls. And then he had, uh, he has us, we're in there one at a time. So I'm assuming everyone does this and it's not just me. But then you have to bend over uh, like, uh, and spread your butt cheeks. Now, the guy does not touch you. At least he didn't touch me. Uh, but he looks in your butthole. And I don't know what he's up to, but I checked out. So then after that, he sits down, and this is a big kind of guy with a beard, uh, very serious, and he goes, have you ever smoked weed or done any hallucinogenic drugs? And I say no, okay? And uh, have I done both of those? Uh, I don't know. That's a story for another time. But um, I say no. And then, okay, so after that, then we get to leave. We put all our clothes back on. And then we start going into other questioning. There's another guy, a more serious guy, a very scary guy who asked the same questions. Have you done marijuana or any hallucinogenic drugs? I can't even say the word. And I go, no. And he goes, okay. And then after that, they take you into another area, kind of a cubicle, a little desk area. Now they got a young woman. She's probably in her 20s, pretty attractive, laughing, having a good time. She's my buddy. You know, she's like, hey, you know, hey, what's up, dude? You know, she's like, hey, no big deal. But have you ever smoked weed? Ever done any acid? Took some mushrooms? And she's like, yeah, you know, you can tell me it's not a big deal. Hey, I'm your friend here. I'm the cool chick in the army. And I was like, no, 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 I've never done that. And she was like, okay. And then we go and we get kind of sworn in. They say that's not the real swearing in. The real swearing in will happen later. Uh, oh, I also got to pick jobs. This is what I was going to do. I was going to be a cook in the Army, and I was going to go airborne. So I was going to be stationed. I was going to go for um, training, I think, at Fort Knox, and then uh, airborne training at Fort Benning, and then I would be stationed at another place in Fort Bragg, maybe. I don't know if all this makes sense. Maybe a military person would know better. I know Fort Benning for sure. And I feel like there was a Fort Knox, and I feel like there was a Fort Bragg. And I feel like all of those were going to be where I was at. And so I was looking forward to it. I was going to get a signing bonus. Um, I had a whole plan worked up to where I was going to be. You know, my, my plan was I was going to learn to cook. You know, maybe, you know, and, and who knows if this would have worked out this way, but I was going to take some chef training and then I was going to get some money for college. So when I got out of the army, I was going to go to school, probably business school. And then with the chef training and with the business school, I was going to try to open my own restaurant. That was my whole plan. I thought, hey, this is a great artistic venture. I always wanted to go to Savannah College of Art and Design, but it always seemed so expensive. I don't know how, I didn't know how I would ever do that. Student loans weren't something anybody really talked about back then. So I didn't know how I'd ever make that happen. But I wanted to do something artistic. I wanted, you know, I'm an artist. So I wanted to do something artistic. And so that was my plan to open my own restaurant after getting out of the army. But after seeing the world a bit, I wanted to see a little bit of the world, do some traveling. I thought that'd be a lot of fun. I'm 18, 19 years old, and I'm like, this is great. 
So I do all of that, and then they drive us back to Opelika. And I get sworn in the 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 kind of a kind of a swearing in, but not the swearing in. And I get back, and one of the recruiters, he pulls me off to the side after we get off the bus, and he goes, he's a real fit, muscular guy. He was the most fit of them. He wasn't my direct recruiter. He was one of the recruiters. And I said, uh, he said to me, he goes, all right, listen, I probably shouldn't tell you this, um, but I know you like to smoke weed, so... You're going to get shipped off in 30 days, and they're going to drug test you again. So if you want to do it, do it tonight. And I said, okay. And I went out, and I went to my friend Will's house. And we're partying. We're hanging out. But to be honest with you, I felt good about what I was doing. I was not really drinking. I was not smoking weed. I felt good. I was really excited about joining the Army. I was very pumped. Um, I had already told Angel at Western Citizen. I mean, I was, you know, such a hack at dating. I had already told her. I said, hey, don't, I'm joining the Army now. Don't, don't get married while I'm gone, right? That was my attempt to be like, I'm coming back for you. Um, so I was, you know, I, I joined the army. I began to spend what little savings I had because I was like, I'm about to make a bunch of money. I bought a white Kangol hat. I bought some white shoes, a white shirt. I mean, I was like, I was like cool. I was trying to be cool, hip dude out here. And uh, I was shopping, buying stuff at, you know, Dillard's and whatnot. I was like, I was big money because I was about to make it. I was about to make that money. So... I'm excited. I can't wait to join the Army. I can't wait to get out of town. But I go over to Will's house. We're hanging out. There's weed. There's beer. Everybody's drinking. Everybody's having a good time. I'm not really doing it. I think I took one hit off the weed. I don't think I got high. I was like, honestly, I don't even want to do it. So I, I didn't do it. So I would gotten a call from a girl. And this girl lived in the trailer park that I grew up in. And at some point had bought a trailer back there. I bought it for a thousand bucks, but I wasn't doing anything with it. I don't know exactly how that, the time frame of that transaction, but I own the trailer. So I said to Jimmy, I was like, hey, there's two girls here. Do you want to go over there with me? And Jimmy said, yes. So we get, we're, we're, uh, and I, I swear I've probably told this story a million times. Probably I've told it two or three on the podcast, but. We're hanging out, me and Jimmy, and we're leaving the party. And there's a guy there, Wate Gibbs, and I don't blame him. I'm I'm not mad at him for this. But he says to us, he goes, hey, I got two beers left here. I'm not going to drink them. Uh, Do you want them? And they were unopened beers. And we were like, yeah, we'll take them. Thank you. So we're riding in the car. And we're cruising over there. And all we got to do is not open those beers. This is actually, this part of it is a joke that I tell, but it's true. All we got to do is not open them. But we open them. We're like, we're going to be cool. I don't know if we said this out loud, but I think in both of our minds, we thought when we pull up to that trailer park, we want to have, be drinking beer. Because, you know, there's nothing... 
that a trailer park girl likes more than knowing that she's going to have to drive you to a couple of court dates. You know what I mean? Like, she likes to see it in the future. I'm going to be dating a bad boy that's going to be riding shotgun because he's not going to have a license. I want to drive this guy around. I want to take him to the store to get cigarettes because he can't drive himself. And that if he does borrow my car once in a while, it's a risk. And he might go to jail. And if he goes to jail, even better. I'll cheat on him while he's in jail, but when he gets out, he'll be a badass. Right? That kind of thing. That's what we're thinking. Right? So we drive there. And then I'm on Interstate 85. I think it's exit 62 in Opelika. And we're on Interstate 85. And we're cruising. We're almost at exit 62. And we get... We pull up behind a cop, and the cop is going super slow. And it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, do I pass, or do I ride behind him? Do I pass, or do I ride behind him? What do I do? So I rode behind him for too long, and then I was like, I got to pass. So then I passed, and I got off at exit 62. He got off at exit 62. And I, and I had always been told that if a cop's following you, pull into a parking lot fast as you can, cut off the car, get out. There was a... Uh, like a raceway gas station right there. And I thought I should pull in here and get out. But I didn't. I didn't do it. I continue to drive and the cop pulls me over. And I pull over into a road next to Southview Primary where Adam Cooper's family would live later. I would drive down this road many times. And I pull into that driveway and the cop... Um, Comes up to the window, does, does the whole deal. You've been drinking tonight? I was like, no. He goes, all right, blow on my face. And I was just happy that he said face. You know what I mean? So I blew on his face, and he goes, all right, because this is what happened. We got pulled over, and we stuffed the beers under our seat. There was nothing we could do with them. There was nothing we could do uh, because they're either going to see them or they're going to smell them, right? So we take our chances that maybe they don't have a good sense of smell. So he goes, all right, you've been drinking? I said, no. He goes, okay, blow on my face. And so I blew on his face. And he goes, all right, now I smell alcohol. So you're going to tell me that you've not been drinking? And I had not had a lot of experience lying to the police. So I was like, okay, maybe I had a couple of sips. I was thirsty. That's literally what I said and was my best answer to him. And so, yeah, I went to jail. So he pulls me out of the car, finds the beer, uh, finds a metal rod that I have in there, and he goes, what's this for? And I go, well, I got robbed one time by a guy in the park, and I wasn't going to get robbed again. Uh, so he throws the metal into the street like he's some sort of badass. And then um, uh, and then he puts it back in the car. It's like, why are you throwing it out? You know that's not illegal for me to have a metal rod in here. So he says, you're under arrest for possession or for underage consumption of alcohol because he knew I wasn't drunk. He knew he couldn't get me for anything else. So I'm in the backseat. And then, you know, I talked to him for a little while outside. I said, hey, I've joined the Army. This is really going to mess me up, you know, and he goes, am I going to mess you up or are you going to mess you up? He was a real asshole about it. But I let the guy know, hey, I've joined the Army. I'm, I'm on a path to do better things. And he still, uh, and then he gets the other guy, and I heard him say, there was, another, there was another cop that pulled up who was a cousin of a friend, last name Bass. Uh, he had joined the, and he was a cousin to uh, a friend of mine. So he knew my name. He knew what I was up to. And so then they get Jimmy out of the car, and then they put us both in the, and I heard the guy go, fat guys on a roll, because the cop was fat. 
And I heard him say that. Fat guy's on a roll. So he arrested two 19-year-old kids for having an open beer in the car, knowing that one of us had joined the Army and had signed up to be part of the military forces. He still went ahead and arrested us. Uh, when, he, when he very likely could have just called our parents and had them come pick us up, maybe impound the car, make us pay a fine, pay, pay a little money. But anyway, he did this. This was, this was, this was how he felt good about himself. This was this cop stopping crime. Uh, so he puts us in the car, and then he goes and searches the car. He finds the beer, and then he finds Jimmy's beer bottle, which Jimmy will say that he found roaches in my car, which is not true. I had not been doing drugs for some time, and I had removed everything from my car. But what happened was Jimmy had a little weed. And he stuffed it in his beer bottle. So when that was found in my car, now that's mine. And so as he puts Jimmy in the car, he says to me, he goes, oh, by the way, you're also under arrest for possession of marijuana, right? So he takes us to the jail. We get to the jail, and there's a guy that I went to high school with uh, that was in a few cells down, and he knows me and Jimmy, and he yells, and he says, hey, to us. You know, we can't see him, but I know the voice. I think his name was Nick. I forget what his last name was. But he yells to us, says hey to us. It was a lot of fun. And then there's four guys. There's three other guys in my cell. One of the guys I know, uh, we have some mutual friends. So we talk for a while. He's in there for DUI. He's like, I'm out on Friday, you know. And, you know, we're getting out as soon as we can get bail. And I call my brother-in-law and... um he uh, has to come up there, gets my debit card. I have the money to get myself out. I just don't have access to it. So he gets my debit card. He goes, gets the money, comes back, bails me out. He shows up. He says it was a tow truck. It was giant. I say it's a dump truck. I'm going to stick with the dump truck thing. He showed up to pick me up from jail in a dump truck, right? So I always say, and I think this is a great line. I say, my nightmare was a five-year-old's dream to get to ride in a police car in a dump truck all in one day. And so he takes me home. Later, I tell my parents. But initially, I just I just wanted someone to come get me that wasn't going to judge me, you know, wasn't going to lecture me. And I knew he wouldn't. So he just took me on, on home. Uh, and then later, I explained it to all my parents. And, you know, I of course, I said the, the weed wasn't mine. It was Jimmy's. It, it wasn't mine, but I, I made it seem like it wasn't mine, and I've never touched the stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, because I'm a 30-year-old. 38-year-old man that still doesn't want my parents to find out uh, what kind of rec recreational habits I might have had or currently still have. Because um, I'm a grown man that makes his own living and owns his own home and, uh, and still cares about uh, respecting my parents. I do respect my parents, uh, and I honor them. I try to honor them, and, you know, I don't think that them knowing these things is going to be the type of thing they're into. So... Rather than uh, just tell them, I talk about it on a podcast behind their back, and hopefully whoever has listened to the podcast never tells them. Hint, hint. You know what I mean? And uh, so when you see my dad out and you go, hey, I love, love your son's podcast, don't tell him how to access it, and don't tell him any details. Just say it's fun. Say you're having a good time. Because um, this is the We're Having a Good Time podcast. So, okay, so then... Uh, then my court date gets set. My brother-in-law, a different brother-in-law, gets me a lawyer. Gets me a pretty good lawyer. It costs quite a bit of money. Um, 
And I tell that lawyer, I say, hey, I just want to go to the Army. I've become very frustrated with Opelika at this point. I go, I just want to join the Army. Just do that. And he goes, okay, great. And then it hits me one day. I don't want to go to the Army. What am I doing? I don't want to go to the Army. Oh, oh, here's a detail. Here's a detail that was lost. Oh, no, no, this detail wasn't lost. I, 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 let's just say this. Let's say at this point, I've still decided that I wanted to go to the Army, but I've had to go tell the recruiters. I've had to tell them what's happened. So they're like, okay, so you're not going to, so we got to get your ship off date moved because you have a court date set for, um, um, for sometime in September. You're supposed to be shipped off in late August of 2001. I think I was supposed to be shipped off August 22nd, 2001. Keep that date in mind. That's a very important date to the story. August 2001. So they were like, all right, you're not going to get shipped off. You're not going to be able to get shipped off before your court date because so we'll have to get your ship off date moved. So the recruiter shows up to my house. I know he's there. He's ringing the doorbell. I'm thinking I'll just let him leave. This guy's relentless. He will not leave. So I go down. He goes, we got to take you to Montgomery right now. And we got to try to get this court date moved. So I go, okay. So I get in the car. We drive to Montgomery. And he tries it. He goes, this is our plan. We're going to try to get him to say they got a big family reunion. And we want, and they're such liars. They're, they're, people in the Army are lying to the Army uh, just to try to get you in. It's such a racket. They're like, we can't tell them you've been arrested. So let's tell them that you got a big family reunion that you just want to do before you get shipped off to the army. So let's, you know, let's make this happen. And let's get this ship off date moved. So we go down, we pitch it, they decline it. So it's sad, but we drive back. Sad for him, happy for me. And then I, and then I go and tell my lawyer, I go, you know what? I don't want to join the army. I don't want to do it. I burst into his office and I tell him I don't want to join the army. So he says, okay, we'll, we'll work it out. And he tells me later he had that whole plan worked out. Um, and then I'm laying on my couch one morning. I had a couch in my bedroom. My sister calls me. This is September 11th, 2001. Keep in mind now, I would have been shipped off. I would be in boot camp when September 11th of 2001 happened. She goes, a plane just hit the World Trade Center. And I'm like, okay, what is that? Right? I have no idea. I know nothing. I go, what is that? She goes, just turn on the news. So I turn on the news, a plane has hit the World Trade Center, and I see the second plane fly into the building. I don't even know what I'm seeing, but I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. And then so I don't, it doesn't dawn on me that I, oh man, I'd be in boot camp right now. It doesn't dawn on me. But as the months and years go by, I start to realize, wow, my mindset to join in the Army was that this was the early 2000s. I thought, all right, and again, keep in mind, I know nothing. I was like, I, who's, I was like, who's going to mess with America, right? We're America, man. I'm going to join the army. I'm going to get some free college and I'm going to cruise through this thing. Who's going to mess with America? That's what I said. So that was like, wow, this would have changed my whole deal. This would have shook my whole thing up, my whole plan that I was trying to do. It would have shook that up. So I'm happy that I didn't go. But then I go to court. Oh, no. 
Then, in between getting arrested and going to court, me and my friend John Sullivan, we decide to take the trailer that I bought and fix it up. So we start doing the work. My brother-in-law worked for a cabinet company, worked for craft-made cabinets. He got me $2,000 worth of cabinets for free because the economy was great back then. This was prior to 2008. Everybody was throwing things around, throwing money, cabinets around. Apparently, uh, a family had ordered these cabinets. The cabinets cost a lot of money. They were the wrong color. They were like, we don't want these. So they were just sitting somewhere in a Lowe's. Me and my brother-in-law went and picked them up. And we put in a big cabinet for the bathroom, a big mirror. We really hooked it up. We, we fixed up the kitchen cabinets. We had $2,000 worth of cabinets in a $1,000 trailer. We put in, we found a, a, a guy, Pat Nigro, who, who was, ended up being my manager later at Spectraside, one of my top managers. Um, he was giving away some of his old carpet. We took that. We got a sectional couch from somebody that we put in there, maybe from Pat too. And we put that in there. And this trailer was fixed up. Me and John were living in it. John was living in the front room. I was living in the back room. We were having a party. It was a good time. And then I went to court after that. This is what I got in court. I got two years unsupervised probation, which meant I was on probation with a three-month jail sentence. So if I got in trouble for anything, I would go to jail for three months. But I didn't have to take drug tests, and I didn't have to get into any kind of program. I had to do 40 hours of community service. I lost my license for six months for the marijuana charge. I lost my license for three months for the alcohol charge. So I had... Nine months with no driver's license. I had to pay like six or $700 in fines. I mean, me and my mom, we had to go take out a loan to pay the fines. Because we didn't have the money. We didn't have that money laying around. So we had to take out a loan to pay the fines. We went, took out a loan to pay the fines, went back to court, and... They were like, oh, I'm sorry. We were wrong about the amount of money that the fines were. It's going to be like $200 more. So we had to, after we had already taken out a loan, we had to scrounge for more money. Um, their mistake, and that's what I said to them. I actually made them very upset. Even I got a letter from my lawyer. But I was like, so you're telling me that you're, you're in here treating me like a criminal. I'm a criminal, okay? I'm a criminal for this small thing I've done. So I mess up, and I got to pay for it. And then you mess up, and I got to pay for that too. I've always been very mouthy. I've always, this is why I get so upset about masks, because I do read the science. I've read everything that's came out. I've read Dr. Fauci, the guy who's been dealing with these type of things for decades, says, don't wear masks. The mask won't do what you think they're going to do. To now, we're all being fed. Oh, it's science. The mask work. Wear a mask. That's what I'm saying. I do follow the science. I read everything that comes out. It does not make sense. That's why I've never dealt well with illogical things. Now, the genius thing that's happened now is they've made masks political. Where it's like, if you wear a mask, you support this side. If you don't wear a mask, you support this side. There's no room for individual thought. There's no room for, oh, I think this. So I think this, and I've thought this on my own. I've came to my own conclusion of this. They've made it political. So if you don't wear a mask, they naturally associate you with one party, and then they try to demonize you because of that. That's not, that's not my logic. That's not where I'm coming from. 
I'm coming from the idea that it doesn't make sense. And they always want you to cover your nose too. They say, hey, you're protecting other people by wearing a mask. But if you, so you cover your mouth because you have particles that may come out when you talk or when you cough or when you sneeze. Um, you know, but they say, oh, you also cover your nose. Well, there's nothing coming out of my nose. And if I sneeze, I cover my, I cover my face. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, what's the problem? But anyway, it doesn't matter. That's a side note. So I got really angry with him in there, but it didn't matter. Uh, my lawyer told me later, he said, I got you the unsupervised probation, which is big. I actually heard him and another lady have that conversation saying that that was a big deal. But he said, I had a whole wor a plan worked out for you to go to the army instead of getting any of these. And then you came into my office and told me that you didn't want to go. So it kind of changed the plan. So I think that's why it ended up being a little more severe than it was, uh, than it, than it would have been. But I don't regret it. All that's in the past. I don't regret it. Shortly after losing my license, John Sullivan very smartly was like, I'm about to move out of here. So he moved out. And then my friend Tom, uh, who got slapped in the beginning of this story, uh, ended up moving in with me. And we had a fun arrangement worked out, which I won't get into on this podcast. Maybe another. I probably talked about it in the past anyway, but I'll tell it in a better, more honest way um, down the line. But so that's that story. And then I lived in that trailer for a year and a half to two years. I sold it for maybe, and I owe my brother-in-law like $2,000 for this lawyer. So I think I sold the trailer for $3,500. I gave my brother-in-law $2,000, paid him back, and then I had $1,500 to move to Charleston. So it all worked out in the end. So that was an exciting story. I appreciate you listening to that. Here we go. Where we've been, where we're going. Where they go. Where they been. Where they go. Where, where they been. Where we're going, where we've been. Now, I had a bunch of things that I had planned to talk about. But that story took over. And that's about been the whole hour is that story. So I'll save all these for another time. I had so much to talk about, but where we've been, where we're going. First, let's do where we're going. This weekend, I'm going to Huntsville, Alabama to stand up live. I'm going to be there on Saturday night, two shows, Sunday night, two shows, and then Monday, one show. If you're in Huntsville, come to these shows. They're going to be a lot of fun. My friend Jake Rubel that opened for me in uh, at Gutty's Comedy Club in Indianapolis. I got him on the shows. He's going to be uh, featuring for me. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then my friend Evan Burke just got signed on to host the weekend. So it's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun, me, Evan, and Jake. It's going to be a blast. We're going to have a good time hanging, and the shows are going to be a lot of fun. Please come. Huntsville is a great club. If you live anywhere around the area, you're going to love the show. The show is going to be worth it. Evan's very funny. Jake's very funny. I'm very funny. Okay, this is going to be uh, a great weekend. Come to some shows. Don't let this weekend pass you by and you go, I'll catch you next time. Come this time. I need you to come this time. And then I was going to do a show at Zany's tonight. Uh, but as probably a lot of you know, uh, yesterday a dump truck crashed into Zany's. Luckily, it just rolled into Zany, so it knocked down a wall, which is, uh, you know, very bad. It crashed right through Nate Bergazzi's new mur mural, which I think has actually been great for him because they'll paint it, and then he got to be on the news, stuff like that. Uh, 
So it's been a lot of fun. Um, so I was going to do that. That's been postponed to January 5th. And then where I've been, where was I? I was in Salt Lake City, Utah at a club called Wise Guys. And I love that club. The owner of the club, Keith Stubbs, is from Charleston, South Carolina. I learned these things about Keith. I already knew he was from Charleston, South Carolina. He's from Charleston. I lived there for 10 years. So we have a lot to talk about with Charleston. What a wonderful place Charleston is. Also, Salt Lake City is wonderful. It's sad now with the, you know, the, the quote-unquote pandemic that's happening because, you know, everybody's walking around masked. I was there the same weekend that I was there this year, last year. And last year I was there in December. It was bustling. People everywhere. Utah ladies in their dresses. And it was just wonderful and happy and uh, amazing. And I walked around and I just thought, what a fantastic city. This year I'm walking around. Everybody's wearing masks. It's basically abandoned. Nothing's open. A few coffee shops are here and there. Most places don't have any indoor dining. So, you know, I had Mexican food twice, which was delicious. And then I had coffee at a, I spent most of my day on Friday in a coffee shop, uh, which was a lot of fun. But, um, uh, but the club is so great. Wise Guys is such a fantastic club. The audiences that come there are great. I love them. Uh, they're so fun. They, they bought a lot of merch. I hung out with them. That, I had a couple of friends, uh, Hillary and another couple of people. They've been a couple of years. They've been to see me the last two times. Um, and uh, the girl lives in a trailer park. She talks about it. I wanted to see a Utah trailer park. I imagine it's the same, but I, uh, nevertheless, I wanted to see it. And then um, I, some other friends came, and they brought me the hat that I'm wearing right now. And the hat, you can see this in my picture uh, that I posted on Instagram uh, with me and my wife at the Olive Garden. But it is uh, Smith and Edwards, the country boys. I don't know exactly what this is, but it's a local business in Utah. Uh, apparently um, uh, very popular, very well known. So they brought me this hat. It fits great. It's a high-riding hat. I love a good high-riding hat. Uh, it's got a classic look. I'm into it. I've gotten a lot of good hats. Um, I want to um, I want to do a video about some bagel chips that I got. Um, I got them sent in the mail. That's not uh, anything to do with Salt Lake City. But I just thought about it, and I want to... Uh, I do want to give them a shout-out. But I'll have to make a video so that I can show the bagel chips. It's not enough to just, you know, it's not enough to just say I got some bagel chips. It's, okay, sorry. It's um, uh, Corey's Bagels out of Chicago. Uh, they were sent to me by a guy named Dylan Schneider. He sent me two bagels and a couple bags of bagel chips, and they're delicious. They really, they really are delicious. Uh, the cinnamon and raisin uh, bagel and the uh, everything bagel, uh, and then and then those corresponding chips, very good. So if you're in the Chicago area, do pick up Corey's bagels. I mean, he shipped it to me, and he was like, "Eat that bagel quick because there's no preservatives in it." So that's good. But it also was delicious. All right, so back to Salt Lake City. Um, uh, it's just, uh, it's a really great place. And, and Keith, this is what I learned about Keith. Keith, 
this is this is why I feel like I I, I, I bond with this guy so well. For one, he's from Charleston, which is, uh, you know, a place that I consider a, a second home, you know, a, a, a third home. I don't know. Alabama, uh, Opelika, Alabama, Nashville, Tennessee, Charleston, South Carolina. Those places are all my homes. I mean, I love those places. Nashville is so great. Opelika, I love. Uh, and then Charleston is just, what a wonderful place. Just uh, amazing. So Keith's from there. So we get to talk about Charleston. And then he also used to be a DJ for country radio, which I didn't know. I just learned that. Uh, he's a comedian who owns several comedy clubs. And his brother used to coach at the University of Alabama. I had no idea. I forget his first name, but Keith's last name is Stubbs. So I want to say it was Mike Stubbs, but I don't remember. Um, yeah. And uh, so all that is just amazing. And uh, so I just got back from Salt Lake City. Wise guys, great weekend. I appreciate everyone who came to that show. I mean, I love being there. I get, I get so free and so loose in that club. And a lot of people came wearing my merch. The guys that brought me the hat, they also brought last year they brought a picture of us i guess they came the first time i was there so so the first time they were there we took a picture together the second time they were there they brought the picture of us together for me to sign and then this year they brought a picture of us holding a picture of us for me to sign so the next time I go back, I'm hoping that they bring a picture of us holding a picture of us holding a picture of us for me to sign. And then we just keep that going. I regret that I don't know their names. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast from Salt Lake City, uh, send me an email to DustySlayComedy at gmail.com. If you have a picture of us, send it to me. I'd love to post it in some way and, uh, you know, give me a shout out. And then I'll, I'll give you a shout out on the podcast, especially, yeah, and the guys that do that picture and the guys that brought me the hat. I mean, send me that stuff. I mean, I meet a bunch of people and people tell me their names and I'm going to be honest, people people always say, oh, I'm not good with names. I'm good with faces. Yeah, I mean, we all are. Me and my friends were having a conversation about this the other night. Nobody's like, uh, nobody's like, ah, oh, terrible with faces, great with names. Just say a name. I bet I know it. Just say a name. I bet I know it. Right? And it's, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, so often I'm having conversations with people and they tell me their name and immediately I forget it. It's not, and, and, and people put so much value on that. I mean, I, I get it. It means a lot when people do remember your name. I know it means a lot, but it shouldn't be offensive if they don't remember your name. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. If you met somebody four or five times and they out, always go, hey, how are you? My name's Dusty. And they don't even act like they met you before. That's ridiculous. Um... But, you know, I mean, just the idea uh, that that someone forgot your name, that's okay. People forget my name all the time. Well, I don't know if that's true, but um, but yeah, I had a great time. I mean, comics that I worked with this weekend, uh, very fun in, uh, let's see. I worked with, uh, well, I didn't work with Travis Tate, but he came out to the show. Keith Stubbs was there. 
J.D. Fagan. I miss seeing J.D. Fagan this time around. Um, and then uh, Rodney Norman was the host on the first night. Rodney's very funny. Uh, all these guys are very funny. Jordan Macon. And, um, and then Alex. But I can't find Alex's last name right now. I'm just trying to search him out. But I can't find his last name. That's a bummer. Uh, I mean, I just want to give, you know, uh, Brian Bates makes fun of me because I'm always like, oh, this guy, great friend of mine, and then I can't remember their name, but that's why I just did that whole thing on not being able to remember people's names because it happens, man. I had a guy who used to call me Chris for a long time. People don't forget my name now as much because I, um, you know, I do comedy and my name's written everywhere. Um... And then there was another guy there who, who I don't know his name, but he really agreed with me about mask. But you ever have somebody like agree too hard? Where you're like, all right, you're agreeing with me, but this is, this is heavy. Like, don't agree so hard. You're making us both look bad. You know what I mean? Alex Valletto. Valletto. Yeah. So he was there, and he was very funny, too. I mean, so all those guys, very funny. Follow them on Twitter. Be their Facebook friend. You know, I mean, so, and also, oh, bad news. Uh, if you're listening from Denver, I was supposed to be at Comedy Works South over New Year's, but apparently Denver is shut down, so those shows have been canceled. I probably won't have any New Year's shows. Um, if you're looking for a New Year's show, hit me up, Dusty Slay Comedy. Or um, hit up my agent, uh, Jackie Cano. Jack, I actually have never said uh, Jackie's last name, so I don't even know that I say it right. But I always say Jackie Kenobi um, because it's like Obi-Wan Kenobi. And she has a force-like power to be able to get gigs. But it's Jackie.K-N-O-B-B-E. -E. It's on my website. Uh, go on there and or email me and I'll forward it to her. If you're looking for somebody to do a New Year's gig, uh, I may be your guy. But I also could do nothing and be fine. Um, if there's one thing this pandemic has done for me, it's uh, made me okay with just kind of hanging out. And um, But I got some video ideas. I've been watching some of my old home videos. I know some of you that may have been following me for a while... 2015 or so, I was doing this thing on YouTube called Dusty's Dusty Stories where I would take my old home videos. My dad used to film so much. I would take my old home videos and make jokes about it and kind of make fun of it. Kind of like a Tosh.0, but making fun of my own family videos. And uh, that was always a lot of fun. So I was hanging out with Evan. We were doing a live stream last night, and uh, we thought, you know what? I should get back into that, and I should get back to the, into that, and I'm going to work on it. Uh, but anyway, I uh, appreciate you guys tuning into this. I hope this has been a fun one. And, um, hey, uh, oh, uh, one last thing. I think there might have been some kind of glitch in, in how my podcasting system was reading the views, but I got an overwhelming amount of downloads from Spring Hill, Tennessee. So, shout out to Spring Hill, Tennessee, just in case that's not a glitch. And there is just an S-ton of people 
listening to me from Spring Hill, Tennessee. So, uh, shout out to you guys. I appreciate you tuning in or appreciate you having the glitch. I mean, it's got to bump me up in the algorithm either way. So, anyway, thank you very much, guys. Uh, I feel like this is a hot, hot episode. Uh, send me some questions. Send me some things you want to talk about. Let's talk about, send me some stuff. Do you eat pork and shellfish? Are you a Christian that eats pork and shellfish? And why? Defend it in an email to me in a fun way. Let's have a discussion. I'm all about it. Thank you very much. We're having a good time.